So um, this evening, Dave and I are talking to Harriet. Uh, it's mm. podcast number 32, I believe, of is, yeah. Hoarding Stuff or Hoarding Stuff, depending which way you listen or say it. Um, and Harriet's just going to talk. I met Harriet through the project that I'm doing with Birmingham Council, but mm. Harriet's going to talk to us a little bit about her ongoing journey of self-discovery, I suppose, and self-awareness. Um, because as, as, as a sort of participant of the project, she was so, so interested in learning and understanding what was going on, as well as having to battle with all the other issues that she was battling with within her home and to, um, to keep her children. But I don't uh, think... So, so this evening, I think we're going to concentrate on one small slice Yes. Of those battles rather than going into yeah. the whole tapestry of Harriet's challenges in life. I think that, that's probably quite a good thing to do, isn't it, really? What do you think, so, Harriet? I, I think that's a very good idea. It's um yeah. one of the biggest things for me has been uh increased self-awareness. Um mm. I suppose increased awareness generally, because um in in many ways and I think Heather would agree I don't present as someone who would obviously have issues I was smartly dressed nicely spoken I had a job um things I think which actually hindered me being able to access help because I don't think mm. um I, I didn't fit any sort of mold which wasn't very helpful and um the, the most important thing from everything that I've been through and I've learned is learning about myself. Mm. And actually it's it's um, it's quite difficult sometimes because the more I become aware of things, I, I sometimes, I struggle sometimes and I think, why didn't anyone see this? Why didn't anyone notice this? Why weren't these things picked up? And I think, um, yeah. So although it's the more I learn, the more I understand, the more certain things make sense, not just about my sort of unique set of circumstances um, through which I came into contact with Heather and her project. But also when I look back over my life and I look back um, and not just about hoarding, but sort of there's a, there's a Venn diagram and so much of it overlaps, but um, behavior in the broadest sense and motivation and thought processes. Um, I suppose um, I suppose I'm 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 filling in some gaps, which is odd because I didn't really think they were there. I did very well at school. I did okay socially. You know, I was um, I was fairly quiet, but I, I had friends and, and that sort of thing. I've moved through life relatively normally, um, but it's just um, and although I, I still think that my my engagement with Heather was precipitated by a particular set of personal circumstances. Um, so when I look to my wider family with my increased awareness, you, you, I, I'm, I anecdotally believe in the hoarding gene. I can see how members of my family might have that, but they haven't been through the sorts of things I've been, so it hasn't been triggered. So, do, yeah, do you think it's it's the, the, the issues that you've faced that have, um, as you say, triggered it? Hmm, that has absolutely. brought it more into the forefront. I was never a minimalist. Um, right. I, I liked, I mean, I had lots of books. I had all these sorts of things. I, I'm 
messy generally i'm not mm. hideously messy but i'm not particularly tidy um but i got through life fairly normally um and so a couple of particular things firstly uh, my eldest child was still born at full term mm-hmm. and i don't think that i I didn't receive support after that. And then uh, the breakdown of my marriage. So which, uh, and again, I'm not sure if I was a depressive anyway, or if, as I'm sort of, we'll talk about later, it's re- it's all related to possibly having ADHD and possibly being autistic. Um, but I, I, I personally believe that, that the latent gene was triggered by these, those particular circumstances. Okay. And that's what um, that's sort of where things spiraled out of control. So, are you currently going through the process of getting a diagnosis? Is that what I've you just are embarked now? on that journey? Actually, right. um, yeah. I uh, I saw Heather in the guise of a counsellor, I suppose, but then through Heather, I was put in touch with another counsellor who I've been working with for the last two or three years, mm. and. Uh, and, and it's particularly through that work and in, in general terms, reading up uh, and, and just recognizing um, recognizing myself when I read about people with ADHD and particularly as a woman and as a, a middle-aged woman, um, seeing how, how ADHD and autism uh, present differently to what we might yeah. Yeah. ordinarily understand by. So it's, um, it's, it's just been... Is uh, my willingness to engage with Heather was substantially so that I understood. I wanted to understand why I'd got to this position, um, mm-hmm. why me, what it was about me that was wired differently. Um, and as a as part of that journey, I, I, I don't, I can't say categorically that I am, but I believe that I probably am somewhere on the spectrum because of of um, of the patterns of behaviour and these. To a certain extent, a clear because I look back, but then again, I'm a you know I, I look back further into my childhood and I think, mm. oh, and with my self awareness now, I think why didn't someone see that? Say Did you? I mean, there's a word that's come up recently that I'd I'd not seen up until the last because I'm not you know like Heather, I'm I'm not uh, a trained person, right? I'm just another. Um, I was going to say sufferer. <laughs> I'm another victim. Look at me. Ah. Um, but the word masking has come mm. up. Now. Would you say that that was what you were doing all that time? Absolutely. I had um, my parents are, are very loving, but they were a little bit older. They were quite strict, mm. and so and I was a I was a, an intelligent and well-behaved child. So I lived within their boundaries. I do remember my mother being annoyed at my messiness. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, <laughs> anecdotally, I would suggest that the gene comes from my father's side of the family. Uh, but his, again, because he's lived a happy life, has kept it within socially acceptable boundaries. Um, but yes, and and I, um, it was only really, I, I suppose, when those two significant events happened to me, Mm-hmm. I didn't have yeah. any boundaries. I didn't have anything that was holding me in. And suddenly this went, you know, it just went like that. And um, so, yes. And also, I mean, I didn't look for it. When I was growing up, people with ADHD were um, the ones, insofar as they were diagnosed, who behaved appallingly in the classroom. And yep. 
Yeah. Uh, people with autism were nonverbal and sometimes couldn't move. And there wasn't the understanding that there, there is now. And not only do we, are we more appreciative of the spectrum and understand about those who are high functioning, mm-hmm. um, we've, I, I think there's a greater awareness that either women present differently or, or, or that women have been so good, I mean, traditionally women have been so good at acting as they ought to, or masking, as you as you call it, It's interesting because I wouldn't know what the differences would be between male autism and female autism. What are they? Oh, this is only as a a lay person. Yeah. Um, Well, particularly, uh, quite often you you notice it in in men because of their social difficulties Mm. and because of their um, extreme focus on things. And the flip side of which is a, 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 an inability to multitask. Um, so it makes them really driven. It can make them high achievers in their very, very specific area. They can become masters, you know, within social norms of, 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 um, of an area or a field. For example, it makes them great political campaigners because they've got that, right. that got drive. That goal, yeah. yeah, and drive. Yeah. Um, and also, again, this is very anecdotal. I would suggest that women who are likely to be on the spectrum still have emotions. You know, my mm. experience of, of 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 most of most men I've met who are on the autistic spectrum, um, they are quite. They've got that sort of disconnect and the lack of empathy. And so, it's more to do when I. The more I'm learning about myself and the reason I think I might be autistic, it's to do with the patterns of behaviour, to do with almost an intransigence in my head to, to understand why something is and something else isn't. I'm a very black and white person. Okay. Also, also Harriet, you said earlier, um, I'm beginning to see the gaps that I didn't know were there. And I think that is a really, that's a real key because this is one of the, I mean, this is everybody. We all have something <laughs> in ourselves that we don't really know until something challenges that area of life and like you said you're if you know anecdotally if it is your father he's had a happy life without any big traumas that have knocked him for six and then Mm. he hasn't really needed to draw on too much because he's within a relationship he's always sort of stayed in that place and nothing's thrown him whereas when that happens to you suddenly it's a bit like, you know, picking up a chessboard and throwing all the pieces up in the air, but then you don't know how to put them back. No, absolutely. I, no, I mean, absolutely. I, I've, I always, I always felt a little bit odd, but then um, I, I, I didn't have the local accent and I was pretty clever and I didn't quite fit in, but I just assumed it was those sorts of reasons because I live in a very small town, very ordinary. I mean, I'm very ordinary in fact, but I didn't sound like it. Uh, am I, I always, I mean, I've just talked about daddy, but there are other family members. I, I just thought they were a bit eccentric. Uh, and actually it took some, it took a family member after I'd started looking to myself, who said, you know, granddad's autistic. And I'm like, wow. it was revelatory, <laughs> you know, 
And then I look back and I, um, my, my grandfather, you could suggest, had a problem. He had a huge house, so it was swallowed up in it. But right. he had lots of collections and lots of, and, and library and those things. And so it was that, it, it's almost how you, it's about how you order stuff. So you, you put your finger on something that I've, I've said for some time, which is if you've got a big house and uh, you've collected lots of stuff, I mean, there's somebody who lives in London that has a big house and has collected lots of stuff, that's not hoarding, that's being eccentric. If you live in a bungalow like I do <laughs> and have loads of stuff that's all over the place and isn't organised, then you're mad. Well, it depends what sort of stuff, because actually I sometimes some some hoarding is almost more socially acceptable. You know, mm. you have collections of objets d'art or books mm. or something like that. Yeah. And I as a child, I collected postcards and I collect oh, these little, you know, those promotional bugs where they're a bit fluffy thing with a tag on the side. Oh, yeah, and that's, in, that's entirely that was, you know, I got my brownie collector's badge, ironically. And that was all sort of relatively ordinary you know yeah and um where it tips into socially unacceptable is when when there's no sort of distinction and it's very interesting I grew up in Derbyshire and there's a place called Cork Abbey and there were a family who never threw things away and just moved on to the next room the next generation would would move into rooms to live that's incredible uh well it's it's amazing from a social history point of view but I I'm and they must have they must have been grappling with their own demons. And yeah. like I said, um, my, my parents were my grandfather's executor. And mummy used to, it took them a year to sort out the house. And mummy would come home and throw something away to prove that she wasn't going to get like that. And I know they weren't related, but that was her way of dealing with it. And I went from having, you see, even with socially acceptable things, I remember my former father-in-law walking to the house and saying, goodness me, what a lot of books you've got. And I remember a health visitor for my children saying, wow, so many jigsaws, do you use them all? And that made me really defensive. It made me feel awkward. It made me, it it made me teetering on the edges. I now look back and realize I was because my, the child I lost was my first child. I, that sort of comment really made me think if they judge me for this relatively normal thing, when things got worse, when I couldn't cope, it was one of the reasons I struggled mm-hmm. to, to get help because I thought, and I, with good reason, as it proved, I thought I would be judged. And um, although Heather and I are so very different in so many ways, uh, yeah. the reason we connected was the um, the honesty, the lack of judgment. We can, as you probably heard before we started recording, can say pretty much anything to each other. And there's, um, you know, she, aside from, eventually I let in a, a close family, eventually I let my father in because he didn't judge. And because I've never asked him, actually. I must ask him whether if he if he saw what he might have been if things were different. And actually his life hasn't been easy, but I think his long mm. marriage to my mother has sort of kept him sort of trammeled in a good way, you know. Well, I tell you what it's kept him, it's kept him safe. Yeah, absolutely. That's the absolute word, because people Mm. have what you just described about the jigsaws. So you lost a child that made your world very, very unsafe. And then the next children that come along are, you know, you've got to keep them safe. And you've also... A lot of it, a lot of it comes through loss. And you're trying to hold on to things. I'm fascinated by Cork Abbey. I love this idea 
of people moving from one room to another room and leaving the old rooms behind in they left the a present for Queen Anne. They left a wedding present for one. Uh, there was a, they had a minor high point in the sometime in the early um, 18th century, and one of them was wow. one of the married a lady in waiting to the Queen. And they left the wedding present unassembled. So it's this amazing bed with beautiful silk and everything. Um, but you, the more you read about the family, you do understand the levels of dysfunction, dysfunction that existed mm. there. Um, but it, you know, it is lost. And I always, I all, I realise now that I always held quite hard onto things. Things were yeah. mine. Um, I always thought it was being part of quite a big family, actually, that you were precious of what was yours. And I suspect that's part of it, because nothing's ever simple. But I always held really tightly to things. And again, I thought, um, you know, my parents weren't, aren't very well off. And I wondered if that yeah. made things more precious. Um. You know, I, I just, I was just holding very tightly. Um, I, I, I do feel that the word teetering is crucial for, for quite a few years when, when my children were young. Um, and when, as it transpired, my husband was quite actively engaged in leaving me. Um, I was there and I was turning in on myself and I was too embarrassed and too ashamed and too awkward to talk to anyone about it. And I just thought that... Um, I mean, there's a stereotype and there's an archetype and I don't think I particularly fit them. And it meant that people who should have helped didn't recognise it. And it meant that I was, I think, on occasion held to a different set of um, criteria because I could speak nicely and because I had a wage. Right, yeah, I, yeah. I, I felt I was dealt with differently. And, you know... Um, I'm not, I, I am, I can't say that if I'd been diagnosed earlier or if the trauma hadn't happened to me, that things would have turned out differently, but I just suspect they might have. Um, I, I think that criteria is quite strange because uh, with mental health problems, people expect you not to be able to put a sentence together, right, and to be drooling and possibly rocking as well. So yeah, and I don't smell and... either, apart from a nice <laughs> yeah. you know. Um... Oh, I do. I smell badly, but that's because of boiling <laughs> off at the moment. It's a good job we're meeting remotely now. But I just, um... <laughs> that's, that's what the incense is for. That's what the incense is for. I've been trying to... Oh, God. And I just... I um... have a bath. I have a bath once a year, even if I don't need it. Well, that... Get you... Look at her face! <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm obviously still very easy to shot, but it, it's it's just about um, if I if I was, I mean, I had four small, I had four children. In, uh, I think I mean, it was one. I think the eldest was seven, so I think there was seven, five, two, and I, something like that. They were every, every other year, and. That's that's hard work, and that's hard work if you're neurotypical, and it's hard work if you have a supportive husband. And I, I yeah. think I'm not one, and I certainly didn't have the other. And also, I was I was embarrassed and awkward, and I mostly pulled it off. Um, my children were doing very well at school, and they were pretty well turned out. And mm. you know, I just it's as though I could cope with so much, and then that was that. Mm. And when when the system intervened made it worse didn't it 
Heather. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Yes, it did. It did. And this is, I mean, we're back to the sort of the big drum beat, you know, the thing that we are always talking about is it's so important for all agencies to be aware that these things that they might be experiencing and seeing when they visit people's homes are a language of them of themselves. They're yeah. trying to tell people something. They told me I was lazy. They told me that when I okay, I I took some time off work. I took them and they uh, and my father came over to help. And they focused on the two days. And I said I was so overwhelmed. They said why? They they set arbitrary deadlines. They oh, right. um they they use hyperbole. There was no well, um, there was no. I mean when they. When they call you lazy, they're actually being lazy about their thinking. That that's what it is. They're not. I think they were, not. I think they. I don't. About the kindest thing to say is that they had no understanding of, of it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the yeah, and that's the other thing actually, because as part of the process, when I. When I say reacted badly, I don't mean I had a, a tantrum, but I I I am sensitive. Mm. I have I have high highs and low lows, and uh, I'm very conscious of criticism, which obviously you can imagine didn't help. And that is one indicator for women, actually, the the the, the, yeah. the sense being very sensitive. Mm. And it may overly, overly worried about what people will yeah. think, and and therefore you try to be a high achiever in different ways, and that keeps you puts you under extra stress and that's without you know that's without the you know that is that's one of the um you know one of the many symptoms for female ADHD is this people pleasing and excessive worry and, and I'm amazing under pressure I did brilliantly in exams I I'm a problem solver at work mm. uh, I'm, I'm I really I find the day-to-day -day stuff boring drives me nuts I've got a very low boredom threshold but you give me a problem, you give me a crisis, and I'm in there. I can sort it. And um, I um, sometimes I'm I'm very sociable, as, as you can see. But then suddenly, I've had enough people, and I sort of um, you want to be away yeah. from them, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and back out almost immediately. Mm. Um, and so, actually, this sort of post-COVID world of a mixture of. Uh, um, working from home, working in the office suits me very well. And the role yeah. I have at the minute is also, uh, although the mundane bits frustrate me, the the variety and the pe the different, I see a kaleidoscope of people and I never quite know exactly what a day is going to be like. And that sort of thrills my soul. So added to all the other issues, if as, as probably having ADHD and then being told to tidy this room, I mean, can you imagine how 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 boring it is, how much Every item means, oh, I don't want people to see it till it's perfect. And it's, um, it, 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 I almost, I mean, it sort of feel conspired against by my genetics, that, that mm -hmm. I'm wired in mm -hmm. such a way that, that not only am I more likely to have the issue, I'm less likely to be able to deal with it. It's, um, it's deeply. It's, yeah, it's a double blow, isn't it? Isn't it? What, where are you placed now? Where would you put yourself in terms of, of, uh, acquiring and keeping stuff at this point in time? Um, well, I lost my house. So I, right. um, so I'm, I'm, I moved 
in with someone. So I've got stuff in storage, which troubles mm. me a bit. I tried not to put anything into storage that wasn't sorted, and we, we pretty much did it. I got rid of so much, and I got rid of stuff, not just rubbish, but I got rid of things like books. I can't imagine getting rid of books, but I actually um, probably cut my bookshelf uh, probably about a third. I kept about a third. So I think um, I think in certain areas, I'm, I'm, I'm better, different, or more in control of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in... In some areas, I'm still quite weak, which doesn't necessarily mean I'm actually accumulating the stuff, but um, organizationally, possibly, is, is a weak point still. Um, I still have, this isn't really bizarre, I have a real problem with my fridge. That's a real um, blind spot. I really struggle with food. Um, do, do you get a lot that you don't use and then have to throw out? Yeah, and that's really, um, yeah, so that's my week's work, actually. Um, And as regards things like um, I've become much more ruthless about going through clothing I don't need. Um, Mm -hmm. I I really don't accumulate in the same way that I used to. I have another hang-up, I suppose, hoping my family never listen to this. Um, Stuff that's like family history, family property, that I that I'm um I've got a very closed head about so mm. um mm. and again without going too much into my private life when my parents have been married now for almost 60 years so they're in wow. their early 80s. that's really cool it's fabulous um but they you know they sort of every self and mummy has a sort of downsized type purge and well, she won't throw like family stuff away but she'll sort of mm. give it out around the family and I, I still struggle. I, I struggle with that. My, my, my grip's very tight on that, which is frustrating. Then when it doesn't come to me, and those are two slightly odd examples. So I'm much better at shoes and clothes. And no, clothes. I don't think it is an odd example. I think what you're doing <laughs> is you're becoming the keeper of the family history. Yes, and but I've not quite... been asked to. You see what I mean? It's, it's, it's something I'm assuming, and I'm not sure it's healthy. And I, I'm not even being yeah, given up. So but it's a I responsibility. Don't... You know, it's a big responsibility and, and you've been you've had that forced on you in a way, haven't you? Well, I get a bit, you know, if stuff's given to one of my siblings instead. I'm, I'm one of four as well. Um, right. I, I, I have to really be sit myself down and, and actually think it through to rationalise it. But and, and another area yeah. where I say I've still got work to do is paper, paperwork. Um, you know, I'm very much one of those who can avoid an unpleasant task for six weeks and then spend three minutes actually getting it done so paperwork still needs at work i'm a, an awful lot better perhaps there's less emotion involved but in my yeah. private life um paperwork is still a bit of a bugbear um so i don't think i, I don't quite know what term to use i, I think one of the things that pos- possibly helped even though it's in an awful circumstance was maybe your home <coughs> that you lost was also a toxic memory place mm-hmm. as well because that's where things mm-hmm. had gone wrong and you know and so walls hold those memories for people as well and they might not realize it because they still call it home and I've seen lots of people now who have spent time away from their own home and that distance 
has had a bit of a magical effect on them and they've suddenly gone, I, d- I don't want to go back. I think there's, I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, at the minute, I'm feeling the flip side and the rootlessness and that doesn't help my head. No, no, but um, I... But, the, when but it's moving on. Place, when you do find a new place, then I think that's when things can start from a different viewpoint. And there's very few things, actually. I, I There's a handful of bits that have either gone missing or were got rid of, which I regret. But it is a handful. I um, And even though some of the missing bits that might have gone, I am a bit upset about. I can still, I can just about rationalise it. But... You know, the volume of stuff I got rid of, whether actually binning or to charity, whatever. If I if I'm only hung up about a dozen things, I think it was that's pretty good going. I mean, that's everybody, mm. That's not that's not that's, that's not I still hope some might come to light actually in the locker. But yeah. yeah exactly. Mm. And I think that's quite normal. It's when, you know, if you were waking up in the middle of the night going through lists and lists of things that have gone then that's unhealthy. No, a lot of it was liberating. Um, Some of it was painful. Um, I came across a box of stuff from my teen years and my younger sister happened to be in the house at the time helping me. And we went and sort of ceremonially binned them because um, they were were things we'd made and they'd kept them. But because she was there, we could sort of do it. And I, I think of that particular box of stuff with a certain amount of amusement now. You know, um, so so little things like that. But it, so if you say how how am I now? It really does depend on on which area. Yeah. Well, we're all very complicated people. You know, mm-hmm. we all have different layers. We're like onions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but, a smelly um, onion, but you know, it's about that. I, um, I can't can't help it. I'm just I'm a French onion, maybe I don't know. But but it's just maybe I'm garlic. Do, and I do sometimes wonder, I, I'm, I'm sort of keeping half an eye on myself, thinking if I'm feeling rootless, does that mean I'm going to start um, sort of collecting stuff around me? It hasn't really. Um, I've hit a bit of a full stop in, um, I ha- there's, um, there's one shed and a bit of a garage with some unsorted stuff in, and I haven't quite got around to dealing with that. Um, and that might be a, a, a mini skip or something that, that predated me moving out of my house. And it's still horrible to be confronted with bags of my life, bags of my past. In some sense, it's the little bits that are harder to deal with because I went through a huge bookcase. Um, it was like, I knew pretty much instantly, and the bag of stuff I'd borrowed from people, but I knew pretty much instantly whether to keep, to get rid of, to return. It's the little things, it's the silly things, it's the, uh, you know, the, the Can things. Can you give an example? Yeah, sorry? Can you give an example? Yeah, okay, pictures that the children have drawn. Um, it's, um, oh, a bit missing from a set that I know the children really, or a bit from a set that I know the children really liked, or, um, uh, yeah, that, those are the two particular things. Um, mm. So I've, I learned, I had to be quite ruthless about games and stuff with things missing. Mm-hmm. Um you know it's really interesting that is a real biggie for a lot of people either if it's or jigsaw puzzles with pieces missing or when you find one piece you've got to hold on to it till you find the jigsaw puzzle that it goes in because otherwise you can't give it away because it needs to go away whole but that also 
that extends as well to things that are broken. Oh, broken stuff. I think, think you should broken. be really, really mean, right? And when you find jigsaw puzzles that have pieces missing, you combine three or four of them together and you give them away. And these poor people will be, be there going, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand. What is this? What is this? I think wow. it's the, um, I mean, I hate jigsaws anyway. I think Heather's put her finger on it. Um, it's the binning was hard. I, um, I, I, a lot of family came to help me move out because it all happened quite quickly and they all had their strengths and their weaknesses. Mm. And the, one of my nieces, um, she helped me bin stuff because that's her gift. That I, if somehow with the money and the time that had gone into stuff, when it was given away or repurposed, there was I didn't feel quite so rubbish about it. When I just binned it, I felt awful, and that was um, that was tough, uh, and that was that was very tough. And I think I still find that difficult. So I can't necessarily ditch a chip mug if it's a special mug, you know. Right, yeah, because it's got a story to it. You've you've given it a narrative. Yep. So, would you say it's guilt or shame? Which one would you say it is? Oh, I think they overlap. Um, yeah, they do, don't they? Um, because shame is something that you feel within yeah. yourself, and guilt is something that tends to be imposed on you by other people. Oh, there's been an yeah. awful lot of that. I, I, I uh, probably. I think I experienced both of them, don't I, Heather? I think I am. Um... I think so. I mean, guilt is guilt is actionable. So if you feel guilty mm. for having done a wrong action, you can use guilt as a as a sort of a, a sign that yeah. do it again, you know, because then that will make you feel guilty again. So don't do it again. Whereas shame is personal. Shame is I am a bad person. I don't feel like, I don't think I'm a bad person, but I feel that I failed somehow at being human. Yes. I, yes. I don't quite. It's something that I still think about. I don't quite understand how I've managed to. I'm not. I didn't. By no means did I have every advantage, but somehow I failed to capitalise on what I did have, and I've and I have. I mean, it's a whole nother podcast about my appalling taste in men. Um, but <laughs> you wouldn't be alone in that one. Indeed. No. Well, that's what I mean. No. But I'm All not women. Person, I'm not the only person who's made some mistakes, but somehow they've come back to me with double. And I don't know. I wonder how much of that is me taking things to heart. And I mean, I've always been known as an overthinker. And again, the more I look into to things like ADHD and autism, I just I just see echoes of myself. Yeah. And um I don't know, it's my, my biggest I, I feel like I failed at being human somehow. And that's so, so this is this is a, it's an interesting one. Human. You are a wonderful human, honestly. Right. So there, there's a thing that 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 I've had for quite a while, and it's only more recently that I've gone, hold on a minute, this, this is nonsense. What is this about? What's going on there? And it's this idea of not being, you know, you're saying not being human, but not being good enough mm-hmm. as a human, right? <laughs> Who's, whose judgment is that, right? Who who kind of um, decides? So my mum went on for ages and ages about a proper job, get a proper job, but she never told me what a proper job mm-hmm. was. Yeah. What it would be the same with being a proper human, 
what is a proper human and who's going to decide that you know because there, there are some people that you go oh my goodness me I don't want them deciding what a proper but they, human but they is. saw they didn't see me and when I say they I mean some professionals I mean yeah. my ex-husband mm-hmm. um who managed to sidestep any sort of uh, lack of support and said oh this is you this is your problem I I wasn't I, I wasn't seen as Harriet I was seen as as my stuff yeah and yeah. um even um, actually, I felt hugely inadequate that my entire family had to turn out for about five solid days to be able to help me go through my house and shift it and bin it and put it in storage and everything. I feel like somehow, somehow I missed something that would have made me normal. And if if I do get the diagnosis that I think I might get, to a certain extent, that'd be a Oh, there's a reason, you know, which will which will free me. It won't only it won't only help my head because there'll be an answer because I've always been seeking answers about everything, you know. But it will also then open, give me the capacity to find either coping mechanisms, possibly medication, other strategies. It will give a reason. Um, um, I I have a lot of contact with someone who's um, diagnosed high functioning autistic. Mm. And they lack empathy and sometimes they lack uh, social nuance. And I will say to them, this isn't how you should have behaved in the situation. You should have done X, Y, Z. And although their behavior still drives me nuts, I know I think they do that because they're autistic. And so it's almost a break on my reaction to it. Um, And so I want to... I. I mean, I've got specific things that I will do with a diagnosis, which aren't for this podcast. But one of them is just to say to the world, well, that's the other thing. I've got no, I've got very little filter and I overshare. That's another classic. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, that's a great skill. I love that. The, 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 the N word <laughs> is, is obviously quite bad. And there's several N words that are quite bad. And I'm taking one of them out of my dictionary, which is normal. Because there I've, is no I've, seen, I've seen a number really? of books now that go, there isn't one. I think there's a set of, I think that the set of um, boundaries and things that fall within those are mm. acceptable and things which fall outside them on. So you see, when someone is patently off the scale autistic, but they're a massive high achiever, you know, they get mm. comfortable labels like eccentric or focused. Yeah. You know, when you've got people who are who are living on the margins of society um, or turning to alcohol because they can't cope with the professionals and everything that's coming at them, they are problems somehow. And actually, um, in some senses, what I've articulated is a complete variance with what I believe personally, because I um, believe in the, uh, I mean, we're all human, we're all the same, we all have inherent worth. I would use the phrase we're all children of God. We we no one is 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 of more value than anyone else. It's a societal label. But then personally, I feel that somehow, notwithstanding the fact I'm if you came across me in the street, you'd have thought I was, you know, tired, but all right. Um, somehow I found myself slipping outside these boundaries. And I suppose part of my seeking this diagnosis is an attempt to answer questions but also 
get back an element of control because I feel I've had no control for years, either from my head or my actions or professionals or a whole variety of things. And if I can if I can turn to people and say, I'm Harriet, and the reason I Oh, I don't I don't share gross inappropriate stuff, but the reason that I'm I'm known to be blunt and people find that quite amusing. And this, this is why I'm autistic. And my ADHD means that this is why I'm rubbish at paperwork and why this is a mess. And it's not a, yeah. I don't wish it to be an excuse. I wish people to say reason. It's you know, yeah. And, and then again, I can we can all sort of strategies to deal with it. I'm not anticipating getting a label, hopefully getting a label or a diagnosis and saying, that's the end of it. Then my next quest will be right. And then how do I A, make this work? How do I work with this? Yeah, and that's exactly- Not work with it. How do you live with it? Yeah, but I mean, I hope, I mean, I hope I've got quite a lot of life left to live. I can learn enough from what's gone really badly wrong so far, but I can, um, I can, I can run with it and make something of it. And actually, I mean, Heather's got quite a lot of foresight. She keeps uh, pulling me into things, making, Mm. um, trying to make something out of what I've been through. Because there was a stage when I thought, and what's the point? Why have I gone through this? How? No, why? Always the why. And and you you are, there's nothing that I can say to you that can change that. No, but you can sort of repurpose some of my experiences. Yes, and and I think that's and, and you are you're still doing that, which I think is amazing. I think it's called reframing, isn't it? Yes, and but also it isn't just you're reframing certain things. You're reviewing stuff, and you're also yeah. looking at the future, saying when I find out more about myself, then I will have more control. I will be able to do this. I'll be able to say to somebody, "Don't give me paperwork." Because I'm really crap at it. And that's yeah, yeah. it. And you won't feel guilty. You'll just... You need an assistant. That's yeah, what you need. Somebody that job. It's also yeah. making me a lot more aware. And the likelihood of my father in his 80s seeking any sort of diagnosis is zero because he's made well, his life. He's all right, isn't he? But really? it, it's making me, you know, perhaps look at those closer to me and think, learning from my, um, not mistakes, learning from the lack of knowledge surrounding my own development... I'm seeing things and I'm seeing things at a very early stage, but my increased awareness makes me think and has made me think that that there is value in, in you exploring this yourself. And I mean, I don't want to go into... Well, most deep. people don't explore their lives. They, they, they just yeah. kind of toddle it's along. It's, but and, it's scary I mean, exploring your life because... Yeah, the fear <laughs> you that might find it's not good. Everybody. Yeah, that's what people are frightened of. If I if I look inside, if I question certain things, I might find something that I don't like, and then I won't like me, and then what do I do? But I've and, had no choice, have I? Because people have been holding up bits of me, saying, this yeah, is awful, yeah. Harriet, this is awful. But they're, but they're holding up little fragments of you, right? Quite they're big piles of fragments, actually. We're back to the bloody jigsaw puzzles again, right? Yeah. If you hold up fragments of a jigsaw puzzle... You don't see the whole picture. The whole picture. No, absolutely perfect. Listen, I'm just looking at the time. And I oh, said I just want to I just want to contest this thing about it's all being human, by the way. You can speak for yourself, Earthling. I'm waiting to go back to my home planet. Thank you very much. <laughs> what commentary? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, 
It's a lovely no, little, Harriet, lovely it's... little planet in the Midlands. It's just near that other planet. Planet Cobbs. Um, so, because we've had, we. I mean, I could talk to you for hours, literally. I really we often do. Yes, and I do, and I miss that actually. So we must do what we said earlier. But what would be your message to anybody listening to this, then, Harriet, who might find themselves in? circumstances that you've described at the back with their back to the wall sort of thing and feeling very bad about what's going on and feeling out of control and you know not I, knowing where to turn what would you what would you suggest when you're in the midst of it you actually need people who deal with you with humanity and integrity and who actually know what they're talking about I mean and and who are, who are non-judgmental and so that that's mm. so what so when they're when they're at the the coal face and it's all happening at them and this is one of the areas I think the work you do is so important because you're not just about helping people who do have those particular needs you're also educating and training the ones who deal with them so I and I think that's really important but when people get a bit further down the journey or if the journey isn't quite so uh, there isn't that sort of pinch point then self-awareness um, it, uh, it it can be overwhelming. I, I do sometimes cry with the with the um, avalanche of understanding. Mm. But fundamentally, I think that the more you know about yourself, the more you understand why things may have happened, or why your brain does things in certain ways, or why, or, or how it all slots together. Um, I, I just it, it's just helping me ground myself, find out why I'm why I'm me. So, so those two things. Firstly, people who actually know what they're talking about and are non-judgmental. And secondly, um, j- just that thirst to find out why and, and to find not excuses, but reasons and understanding, which then gives you the freedom to look at strategies or coping mechanisms. Well, I mean, in physical health, right, you go to a doctor and mm. they say, this is what's happening with your body. It's not necessarily your fault. Uh, it could be genetic. It could be through other reasons. And this is how we're going to deal with it. Yeah. And it should be the same with the mind, really. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's a lot of this. It's um, it's fine not to be fine. You know that slogan. It makes yeah. me so cross every time I see it because I think it's absolute rubbish. I think you're judged if you're not fine. You know. Well, of course. Not, yeah, that's yeah. It. It's okay not to be okay. And I that it uh, makes me so angry because I think that's untrue. <laughs> It's all but you know purpose. why? Because people um, have a limited amount of energy, and if you're not fine, yeah. they're worried they're going to have to use their energy to to help you become. I would accept fine. that times I've been right. very hard work. So yeah, yeah. But I, but um, I also see this goes with the learning as well, or the teaching. If people learn compassion yeah. and how to be <laughs> compassionate, then being compassionate pays you back so it isn't all about being self-sacrificing what uh, you're right yeah. Dave, people are frightened of like giving out too much energy or you know having too much of themselves consumed by another but if you learn compassion compassion pays you back and i did a, a little workshop that i recorded last year for hoarding awareness week which which was based on some learning that said compassionate people live longer and are more mm healthy but you have to exercise the compassion because otherwise you have to know know what it is otherwise you can't it's not 
You don't have to be self-sacrificing. Compassion pays you back. And so, you know, you were saying about people accusing you of overthinking. I often think that people that accuse you of overthinking don't think enough. I, I think there's an element of that. And I, I do recognise that not everyone can necessarily cope with understanding. And for yeah. some people... Yeah. That, that will cause different damage and I know that I'm 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 what even even without any sort of diagnosis I know I'm wired in certain ways and I always want answers I hate surprises um I need certainties so if, if you if you let me down that is a um spin yeah it really really damages me and so it's not surprising to me that in order to make sense of what's happened these last few years I'm I'm seeking answers but I, I know it's not for everybody but um I mean Heather set me off on, on the journey and then through her I've in, encountered other ways and other people and it's, mm. it's ongoing and um it, it's it's ongoing and it's just so um it's revelatory in the most amazing way to just to, to think that there's a reason I haven't got to the bottom of what the reason is yet but to get to have snippets of those things that that just cast a bit of light on 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 why yeah, you know. and, and that is so important, but I'm going to leave it at that message then. So yes, I'm, I'm going to stop recording now. Thank you so much, Harriet. Thank you, Harriet. Amazing. Thank you.